Well, normally turnaround companies like Vantage Performance work with companies that are in trouble and need to refocus their efforts to get out of a crisis. Now, the crisis is hitting all of us in one way or another, but what we do have is a bit more time to take stock of where we are. That, says Michael Fingland, means this is the right time for every company to have a good, hard look at themselves. That's what we discussed today on the Vantage Performance Podcast. So this is a challenging time, isn't it, uh, for all of us, Michael? And I guess the the focus for a lot of people is just how do we get back to where we were, but which is not necessarily the place you want to be. Now we've got this time, uh, the opportunity to to refocus. We should be uh, we should be looking at you know how different do we want our company to be when we are back trading full time, uh, so that we get that competitive edge. Yeah, exactly right, Phil. I mean the in, any recession or black swan event that we're going through now requires some pretty big questions to be asked uh, to ensure that your organization can actually get through what is a, a massive disruption event and um, you know identifying those one to two really big changes in strategy you know your business model uh, is is one of our core models uh, to the way we look at turnarounds and uh, yeah it's forcing a lot of companies to uh, to ask that question right now but I mean the other question everyone's asking is what's it going to be like after this? So, and we don't know for sure, do we? So, it's, I guess it's an, a question of managing risk, isn't it? Because, you know, there, there's one or two potential possible yeah. futures at the end of this. Yeah, look, and it is difficult. And it's always difficult with any deep recession to know when we'll um, sort of bottom out. You know, will it be a, it's very popular at the moment, is it going to be a V shape or a W shape or a U shape, yeah. L shape? Who knows, right? We can all have our opinions, but well, let's the, hope the most- it's not an L. Sh- an L shape is the most depressing scenario. So let's let's assume there's some sort of upward curve on all of this. But yeah, it is a question, isn't it? Is it, is it, it going is. to be over in six months, or is it going to be over in three years? That's right. But I think the, the key to this is though is to ensure that all of the restructuring that you're doing right now is going to be conducive or, or result in a business and a business model that is the most flexible it can be, so you can adapt as we go through this, because as we've talked about before, no turnaround and you know, no recession is ever a straight line. It's always bumpy. You always have some shocks along the way. Mm. So you need to have a plan that's going to adapt to that and, and, and have a very nimble business uh, to, to ensure that, that you can survive through this next process and then, and then grow on the back. Do you think there's a danger, though, that lots of companies are thinking, how do we get through this? How do we get through this six months or this year uh, without thinking about doing something different at the end of it? Sort of like, how do we get through so we can get back to the way things were? Absolutely. I mean, and that's why we always recommend, you know, the first phase should always be stabilisation because you need that clear air. You need that that stability. So you, you then have time. And it's always typically a 100-day plan, as we've talked about. But then you've got some free time. You're still going through crisis, don't get me wrong. But you've got a bit more time to be able to think big picture, think more laterally, uh, bring in... Um, you know, uh, third parties who have the ability to, to, without any clutter, to really help you cut through to work out what any other stabilization measures you might have, but what are those one to two big changes that form the bedrock of, of the plan going forward? And, and we'll talk through today, you know, some examples of some, you know, big name companies who, who have done exactly that. Um, you know, they've, they've identified those one to two or three big changes. And they've built their turnaround plan around that. But you can't do that until you've stabilized the business. So hopefully, you know, most businesses over the last three months have done that. And, mm. and now's the time, if they haven't yet, to really fundamentally look at their business model and uh, and ask that question. What are they? And, and, and will that result in a business that is really nimble 
so I can adapt and flex as we go through. Right. Which sounds easier said than done, though, because that stabilization process where you could be losing all your cash mm. flow, you know, depending on what industry you're in. I mean, there's some industries which have been absolutely decimated by this. How do they stabilise if there's no money coming in? I mean, there's, there's been a lot of government stimulus packages uh, rolled out and all, all the usual typical mm. you know, stabilisation measures, you know, renegotiating terms of trade with key, key creditors, you know, tapping into the support packages the banks are offering, negotiating statutory payment plans. There, there are a lot of measures you can you can do. And the JobKeeper program in Australia particularly has been, in other countries, you know, New Zealand, UK have done something similar. They've given most businesses the ability to get through the first three to six months, but don't lose this opportunity. And let's let's yeah. think about what are those big changes. But you'll probably need someone external to help you, because you, most business leaders will still have a fairly fuzzy uh, head because they've been knocked about so much, and, and it's it'll be difficult for them to see clearly what those big changes might be. Well, let's okay. So you said you wanted to give a, a, examples. So uh, which companies are doing? Mm. Which big name companies are, are doing this, and uh, you know, and, and are doing it in a very clear way? Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll run through some examples, but the, the key, some of the key questions to arrive at that is, what are we really, really, really good at? Now, because a lot of businesses get a bit lost along the way as they grow, they they really their core why, their purpose gets a bit fuzzy. What is what? Mm. What is that key element of the business model that that made them really successful, and has it has it got a bit lost along the way? Have you added too many things along the way? So back to basics, really. It is back to basics, and it sounds a bit flippant, but at least fifty percent of all turnarounds, if not more, result in the company actually shedding a lot of products or services that have just been added on for for growth's sake. But but they're not generating profit. They're sucking up a lot of working capital. They're cumbersome. You've ended up with a massive overhead structure to try and manage all these additional services and, and products. So often the key to uh, a turnaround, and particularly in this current time, because if you do shed a lot of products or services, whatever, it's actually going to free up a lot of working capital, which which could give you an extra three to six months, right, or, or more. So that's often yeah. one of the big, big um, solutions. And it's going back to what, what, what did you look like? Another key question. What did you look like when you were the most profitable? It sounds a simple question, but it can be really powerful. I mean, you look at you look at Apple, right? Even, even since Steve Jobs died, you know, it's gone from sort of fifty odd dollars to, to three hundred and fifty dollars a share. So it's it's done incredibly well even after he died. But I'm talking about the period where uh, Steve Jobs came back into Apple. I mean, it was cl- very close to bankruptcy, right? Mm. And what did he do? He he shed. Uh, he got rid of eighty percent of all their products. Okay, number one thing he did uh, got rid of eighty percent of all their products. And he came down to just two laptops, two desktops, right? They, they had a, pl- a plethora of products, medi- mediocre products, um, Me Too products, and so he stripped it all back. So all the R&D was then channeled into reinvigorating that core product range. And then as, as we know over the years, uh, all the other industry, worldwide sort of disruptive products that, that came off the back of it. Well, it gave him but the focus, it gave him the ability, didn't he, to focus then you can focus. on the next big thing. And he didn't yeah. just do one. He did, he did a few big changes. So rationalise the product range. Um, obviously, you know, Apple at the time was struggling. It didn't have a really good operating system. So with Jobs came the next operating system. So they, they made an acquisition, right? That could be one of your two, one of the two big changes in your strategies. Do you make an acquisition? And if it, if it makes sense, you'll get the capital to fund it. So don't think, oh, how are we going to fund this acquisition? So they made an acquisition, which gave them a, a critical edge in the market, rationalized his product range. And um, Bill Gates, Microsoft, invested into Apple, two arch enemies at the time. 
$100 million investment. So that is a big change in strategy. A competitor who's got a vested long-term interest in Apple surviving, and that's why Gates clearly did it. He knew that Apple surviving is going to be better for, yeah. for Microsoft in the long run. <laughs> and then he, he, through that process, he repositioned Apple yeah. to be a high-end brand. But now people happily pay $300, $400 more for an iPhone than, than other products on the market because of the brand and everything that goes with it. And he reopened stores at the time. There was a whole move to online. He reintroduced the concept of flagship stores, totally against the market. So he had sort of three or four big changes, but and, and we know what's happened since. And it all came from that that, that rationalising mm. and, and getting rid of the dead weight so you could focus on the future. Focus could, on what you're best at. Yeah, exactly. And yet, you know, BP, let's look at them as, a, as an interesting example because they're undergoing mm. a lot of change. Maybe not focusing at what they're mm. best at because oh, well, I guess they're an energy supplier, but they really are focusing between now and 2050 mm. uh, on uh, on moving to, uh, to to rely less on on oil and petroleum which of course is in their name it's where they came from I mean they're they're, they're assuming mm. now that the price of oil isn't going to rise I think I think it's fifty dollars they're saying now they've downgraded their forecasts mm. on, of the price of oil by 25 percent between now and 2050 so it's a big slug of revenue that they're basically writing off a whole load of assets they've written off based on uh, uh, on mineral extraction and they're looking more at uh, more renewables. That's a huge shift in emphasis. Yeah, I mean, and, and energy-rich country uh, industries we're heading towards a massive disruption event anyway. So I think this 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 period is just going to fast track that. As you say, BP is one example where they're going to have to pivot and move to more renewable energies. Um, and that's you're going to see that. And new business models have come up over the last few years to tap into that, such as Tesla and others. But and you look at look at Starbucks. I mean, Starbucks, you know. And a lot of these yeah. situations, they, they do end up in rationalising their cost base, right? But it comes off the back of, and unfortunately that does mean job losses in many cases, but it comes off the back of what is that streamlined business model? And getting back to what they were best at, Starbucks became lost along the way. Their, their brand became very me too, that coffee wasn't great anymore. So, and, and you know, um, Howard Schultz, who, who uh, again came back into the frame as the CEO, uh, realised that, that the level of training and skill across the, their entire 11,000 stores was nowhere near what it used to be. So he actually shut all 11,000 stores in North America and got all of the, and it cost him $33 million, right, to get every single store manager. He realized a store manager was the key. Um, and and they, they took uh, the entire organization through a retraining program, but he shut all 11,000 stores and got them all into one central location and, and gave them a huge sort of, this is our why. This is our purpose. This is what we're going to get back to, and 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 retrained all their baristas and, and and got back to the core central focus is we are great at coffee. Let's stop mucking around with all these other products and services we're trying to sell mm. and get back to that customer experience. And um, you know, so that was a really big, big bold move. And we've seen it with Qantas, you know, years gone by, where they grounded the entire fleet to try and force some change for the organisation. So. You, you know, you do need to be bold. You do need to be courageous. And, and now is the time because if you don't, if you just focus on how we're going to get through the next three, six months, you are not going to utilize this opportunity where others are and they will come out of this stronger 
more nimble and will take advantage and take market share. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You mentioned Tesla, which has now got a, a bigger market cap than Toyota, which has taken, you know, goodness knows how long to to, to reach the stage there. And here comes a, a newcomer and uh, it's bigger than they are now. Uh, and you look at, you know, at times of adversity, uh, how many companies, successful companies, you know, brand names that have become very established actually came out of an economic downturn, I guess, because they didn't have the legacy that was uh, that was holding them back. They could start a start afresh, go after a market uh, when you know when the economy recovered. And you're sort of talking about the same thing, aren't you? You may not be a new company, but you can still get rid of a lot of that legacy, so you can behave like a new company. Exactly right. As I said before, you know how do you restructure your cost base so you're very nimble? Um, and uh, mm. you know, a lot of companies. Um, have you know, that went on to become incredibly successful started in a recession because you've got that lean operating base from day one uh, whereas other competitors that you might be up against still have that clunky heavy you know cost you know heavy, heavy cost to restructure sort of a business model and, and there's there's many many case studies around this as to why a lot of automotive companies will not make the switch or will not survive the switch to electric because invariably companies in certain industries that are going through massive disruptive events, do not make the jump. So very, very early on, obviously companies would, would cut block ice. This is going back, you know, 150 years or so. You would cut block ice, um, you know, in the winter time, cut it up, distribute that to 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 your client base. Obviously, your your range was very very narrow because uh, you could only cut it so far. M- moving on, decades later, you then had big ice factories. Uh, now, not one original um, ice. Um, carving company, if you like, made the transition to an ice factory. And then the next evolution came when when fridges and freezers came along. Not one ice factory ever made the transition to become a refrigeration company because they don't see the big disruption coming. They don't look at those one to two big changes. And the sunk cost of all the tooling is just makes it very difficult for them to to, to be nimble and move and, and, and follow the, the innovation curve. And, you, and you're seeing that mm. with, with automotive companies. They have resisted the move to electric cars for decades because a lot of the tooling they've got uh, to, to make a combustion car is irrelevant, is, is redundant as they move to electric. So you can see it happening real time now. How many of those, how many of the 30-odd car manufacturers are going to survive this switch to electric? And, uh, you know, probably half. Half at, half at most because you're going to your shareholder base to say we've got to we've got to write off five billion dollars of, of 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 plant and equipment um, to make that transition. That is highly problematic. But if you don't start yeah. early, the, the alternative mm-hmm. is worse. Yeah. And Tesla started very nimble, very you know all these new entrants. Uh, very nimble business models. So are you saying then that, I mean, because there's two things going on here, isn't there? One is that we, we have a, an economic downturn, which is impacting every business. And so how do you uh, how mm. do you use this time and how do you come out the other side uh, as a, a as a leaner organization that's, that's more focused on what you're good at, uh, as you described it? Uh, but there's also a question of, you know, what yep. is, what, what's the future going to look like as well? What, what is going to change? Are we going to go back to exactly the way things were or is the market going to be very different? If you look at those two together... Then every business surely has to uh, has to be going through this process. It's it's not absolutely. I mean, normally you would you you would be normally be dealing with companies that are struggling, going through a difficult time. But this is something for everyone to look at. Everybody, everybody should be looking at how do we become more nimble. What are those one? To, you you might already be focusing on on those one to two big 
core parts of your business model, and that's fantastic. But still be thinking, how can we be more nimble? How can we be more adaptive? Um, no one knows exactly where the industry or the economy is going to be in three, six, 12 months, two years, right? So, but the, and, and mm. that's not the point. The point is to have a business model that can be very adaptive and very flexible. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a core bedrock of, of our turnaround model. It, it's it's a key part of why we've had a 90% success rate over the years is because very only 5%, maybe 10 at best, um, businesses will have the foresight to be really focusing on those one to two big changes. And, uh, and, and that's so critical. Use this time now to really identify that, build a plan around that, because you're more likely to be able to attract capital as well if you can demonstrate that the pivot, a switch, to really focus on those core areas is going to drive top line, gross margin, you know, profit, loss, whatever, and a greater working capital profile, you know, greater operating cash flow. Um, where and, and standing out from the crowd is going to be so difficult. So because bankers mm. are going to have to choose winners and losers. It's a very simple fact. There will be a credit crunch. Um, so if you do need to access capital, you need to present yourself in a way <clears throat> that's exciting, it's attractive, and you, and you can see that a pivot in your business model is going to generate you know, a much more profitable, sustainable yeah. business. Okay, that, w- that word exciting is interesting, isn't it? You've got to get yourself excited about your business again mm. so you can sell it to everybody else. Yep. Uh, a huge opportunity. Great to talk, as always. Makes a lot of sense. Thanks, Michael. Cheers, Phil. And if you are going asking for investors or your bank for more money, then they're not going to bail you out, are they, if they don't see you coming out stronger? So you have to have a workable plan. You've got no choice in this, really. Uh, That's it for today. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Vantage Performance Podcast. I'm Phil Dobby, back again with another one with Michael Fingland next time. Thanks for listening. 